Hello, and welcome to Soarin' with the Magic Our Way podcast. My name is Mr. Mononymous, and I'll be your chief flight attendant today. We'll begin boarding in just a few minutes, but first I'd like to acquaint you with the rest of your flight crew. First, we have your pilot and co-pilots, Kevin and Danny. These artistic buffs will launch you from New Orleans to soar over all things Disney. Your entertainment director is Ivory Comics proprietor Eli. Be sure to check your in-flight magazine for a sneak peek at his comic, Project Geisha. Nice work, pal. Soon you'll be airborne. If you or your little aviators would like to reach the flight crew at any time, be sure to check out magicourway.com, where you can find links to Facebook, Twitter, email, or send in a voicemail. And, of course, you can book your next Soarin' flight with your platinum-level earmarked travel agent, Lee Lastavica, from Magical Moments Vacations. Remember, you've got a friend in Lee. Okay, let's review. Kevin, Danny, Eli Lee, Artistic Buffs, Disney stuff. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Chombo, everyone. Rambe. Jumbo, everyone. Harambe. And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way, Way podcast. podcast. Weekends. This is Danny from the Magic Our Way podcast. Kevin is still out exploring his wicked side, but joining me here tonight is Mr. Lee Lastavica. Say hello, Lee. Hello, Moeekins. <laughs> just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, What's- swimming. Well, it's great that you're getting some exercise there, Lee, just as long as you're not swimming in the Seven Seas Lagoon. No, not today. Well, not anymore, actually, ever again. You were doing this beforehand? Well, I might have been, you know, doing a little skinny dipping at one time, but <laughs> there's there's a little visual for all the Mohicans out there. <laughs> that's right, folks. We have the only travel agent in the business that's been naked in the Seven Seas Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, folks, speaking of which, uh, I've got news for you. I don't know how to categorize this. Good, bad, whatever. Depends on your outlook, I suppose, on how we do things over here. Good news is, is that... We're going to be giving you two shows this week. Bad news is, is we're going to be covering some bad news. Um, we've gotten a couple of emails asking us our thoughts on the tragedy that's happened in Orlando with the shooting and the little boy in the Seven Seas Lagoon. Um, and uh, we wanted to cover it, but quite frankly, Kevin couldn't be here today. And Eli's off watching uh, the NBA Finals today, so... Uh, he couldn't make it, so uh, we're just it's me and Lee, and we're going to hold down the fort, and we're going to wait till those guys get in so they can add in their two cents, because I know they have a lot to say about this, and I definitely have a lot to say about it, uh, so we're going to wait till they get here, and plus, we also had Finding Dory kind of penciled in, and I, I just kind of thought, well, who would we be if we didn't at least cover Finding Dory? Let's at least cover the positive, and we'll do kind of a very special edition of the Magic Our Way podcast where we talk about... All the bad stuff. Uh, So that's what's going to be on the horizon uh, coming up. Maybe Wednesday, Thursday, we'll release that. But for right now, yes, as Lee was saying, just keep swimming. We're covering Finding Dory today. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it was pretty much uh, what I expected it to be. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, as we discuss this, you know, if it lived up to everyone's expectations or not. But I thought it was, uh, you know, overall pretty good movie. So you're looking to just head right into this. thing. you're not even letting me play the jingle, are you? You want to talk about this right now, right, Lee? Well, yeah, I mean, however you want to do it. You're the host. You could uh, 
you could interrupt me and put the jingle over me, or we can just go right into it. Your choice. Well, now I'm very bad at this hosting thing. I think that's been established. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna elect to skip the jingle. I don't think we need. I, I don't think we need a jingle. Do we need a bump for a one segment show? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Moicans, bear with us. Bear with us. Uh, we're we're picking up the slack for the rest of the crew. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> first of all, how'd the kids like it? I think they all really did like it a lot. Um, we laughed. We cried. We shared a few tears. We we gave each other hugs at the end. It was a <laughs> it was a nice family bonding experience. It was a good movie. A good Father's Day gift, right? Yeah, it was a perfect Father's Day movie. The only thing I'll say about the whole thing in general is that we've been waiting forever for this movie to come out. I mean, how long did they announce this? It's been it feels like two years, but I know it hasn't been that long. But it's been at least a year, right? That we found out that they were even making the movie. Has it been longer than that? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. I, I want to say about a year and a half to two years. Yeah. Well, still, I mean, that's a long way out to let some, you know, to to be waiting for a movie to come out. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's but I, I'm not, that's typical Pixar turnaround time in a movie is like three right, years, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on that end, I hope you know people don't get their hopes up so high or their expectations up so high that it disappoints. But for me, it did not disappoint. I thought it was exactly what I was expecting from uh, from this movie. And, and what, when you say exactly what you were expecting, what exactly was that? Just an entertaining, funny... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. you know, um, of course, it being a continuation of Finding Nemo, and Finding Nemo is a great movie. To me, uh, Finding Nemo is probably... I'm not going to say my favorite Pixar movie, but just in general, when I'm feeling like in dad mode, mm-hmm. I want to watch you know Nemo. That's a dad movie to me. <laughs> I'll say it, it. It's my absolute favorite Pixar movie. There's not, right, not cool. even a question. So, yeah, my expectations on this movie was kind of, I don't want to say they were through the roof because I understand that sequels are rarely ever going to live up to the original. But mm-hmm. I did have an expectation that it was going to be funny. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be Cars 2. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if that was if that happened, then, you know, we're going to have a lot of disappointed uh, fans out there. So that is not what happened, which is good. <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't have a repeat of, of Cars 2. I love how Cars 2 has just become the benchmark of total failure. Yeah. <laughs> when you yeah, when Cars 2 is just the bottom of the I mean, well, it's not even a movie anymore. It's more of a cautionary tale where yeah. Cars 2 has now become a verb that means to utterly fail on every level. <laughs> Johnny, you really Cars 2 that thing up. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I thought that the movie did well. I thought it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. If there was any way that this surpassed the first movie, it was just how breathtakingly gorgeous the animation was. I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. unbelievable. I don't know. uh, We were Googling some stuff on the way back home. My my daughter was looking stuff up on the phone, you know, the, the 10 facts about Pixar you didn't know and all this stuff. And they were talking about how Monsters, Inc., was so difficult to make uh, Sully because of all the hair. Yeah, the, uh, the animation. Yeah. So I'm wondering how difficult it was for them to do that octopus. Because he was <laughs> that was like the coolest. He just blended in with everything, and you were always looking to see where he was hiding. Was he not like, a great character? I mean, really. Yeah, he really was. And I was trying to figure out for a while who the who the voice actor was. I didn't look it up until afterwards. And Ed O'Neill. I said, yeah, and I thought it was Bill Murray-ish, <laughs> but I said, no, it's not. I know, I know it's not. Like who is it? And then we looked it up after the. I was like, oh, Ed O'Neill, of course, yeah. Now that now that I said the name, mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Yeah, but yeah, and you know, kind of curmudgeonly and kind of a grump, and you know, had that whole uh, 
uh, married with children vibe to it at the beginning, uh, as far as his character goes. You yes. Know, just a grumpy old man, beaten down by life, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene so, in there where... Oh, and by the way, guys, spoilers. We're going to talk about some things that happened in this movie, and I know it's a fairly new movie, and we're trying to get these reviews out pretty early because our mindset is, is a week or two later, no one really cares about what we think about it. But we're going to go ahead and do a spoiler-related version right now. So uh, I thought one of the funniest things was there was a part there was kind of Al Bundy-esque where um, Dory keeps talking and it's starting to aggravate Hank and finally just has enough and says, stop talking. Everyone talks too much. Everyone asks each other silly questions like, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? And he says, newsflash, nobody's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the guy answers the phone in the other room like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Exactly. So I love that you got a little bit of a Bundy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where whoever does their casting, sometimes they just really nail it. Absolutely. But uh, before we get too far gone, let's back up a little bit and talk about the short that preceded the film, Piper. What did you mm-hmm. think about that? Uh we laughed. I thought it was really cute. Uh, and like most Pixar shorts, you're kind of trying to figure out what they're trying to do with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we get the gist of it, you're like, oh, okay, that's cute. Uh, the animation was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mr. Uh, uh, Richard Hercher said, you know, he was not disappointed in the short, but he was disappointed because he thought that's how the whole, he thought he was actually watching Nemo, and that's how the animation was going to be for Nemo. <laughs> that, uh, that he called it hyper realistic uh, mm-hmm. animation but i thought it was beautiful and it was really cool to me the way the story played out that you know you had the scared little bird that did you know got hit by the the wave the first time and didn't want to go back in right but then he ends up being like braving the water more than the other birds like he'll go in like you know sky or you know he'll go under the water now and the, the other birds won't do that so mm-hmm. i like the way that that the moral of the story was uh, but yeah i thought it was really beautiful it was and i can tell you like when we were talking about the movie afterwards i was asking my daughter i said what was your favorite part of the movie and her favorite part of the movie was that bird piper that's what she liked that's what she remembered that's what resonated mm-hmm. with her because she thought the bird was funny so mm-hmm. um i thought it was one of their best shorts i really did the animation was great i, I didn't think it was a finding Nemo. it took me a second i guess it's been a while since i've seen a Pixar film in, in, in the theater, uh, I think we missed their last release. What was their last release? Uh, Good Dinosaur. Good Dinosaur. We all missed that. Um, but uh, it's been a while since I've seen a Pixar movie, so I forgot that they did shorts, but I figured it out fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another thing that Richard said on Facebook was that uh, that's as close as we're going to get to another ep- uh, as Wally 2 mm-hmm. with, uh, with no words spoken. And so, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a really cool little short, and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I found it funny that um, my daughter watched the entire movie, and what she remembered most and liked the most about it wasn't the movie itself, but the short that preceded it. That was funny. But uh, yeah, speaking of short, that movie was short. It was about an hour and forty minutes long. No, it was you know It was like an hour yeah. and forty-five minute movie. Mm-hmm. Which. To be fair, I mean, that's probably, you don't want much more than that with, with kids anyway. So, I mean, I think for an adult to sit there, it was probably just, you know, it probably was okay, maybe a little short. But for kids, I mean, there was a couple kids sitting next to me that were getting a little squirmy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that it, it, it really could have been much longer and held, their ones, held uh, you know, the kids' attention. 
You know, I, I felt like they did what they could to elongate the movie as well. Like there was that whole mm. ending scene that happened there, and, and we'll get to this later, where I kind of felt like the movie had ended, but then they had a whole other scene that just happened for an additional two to three minutes. Yeah. They're like, what's that about? And it, it just kept going. But I um, think that I you know, I think that happened a couple of times throughout the movie where yeah. they just had a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but probably didn't need to be there, but they could have trimmed it up a little bit. And that was one of the questions I walked away from this movie asking myself was whether or not this movie could stand alone. Like, if there was no Finding Nemo and this was just a movie that Pixar put out, w- what would people think about it? Yeah. I mean, would you care about the characters? Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair question. I, I would say that it would not have been as big of a hit as Finding Nemo, I don't think. I don't think it would have resonated as much uh, with audiences uh, if it was just by itself. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it's definitely going to make you appreciate the original more. Uh, and then, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get into how kind of the two movies tied in together a little bit and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, would it have been as well received if this was the only movie that was made? Mm-hmm. And I'd say probably still would have been, you know, critically uh, received well, but I don't know if it would have the staying power that, that Finding Nemo does. Okay, folks, so before we get too far gone into the abstract of how it was and what we felt the good parts were and what we felt the bad parts were, um, let's first take you through the movie as a whole here. And we're just going to kind of do like a Cliff Notes version of the movie. You start off with, and, and correct me anytime I'm mistaken here, Lee, because you just, it's more recent in your mind. I got to see it on Saturday. You just saw it today. Uh, I think you start off with Baby Dory. You're introduced to her and her parents. And you're introduced to the concept that Dory has memory issues, which we all well right. know. And uh, you get to see how uh, how much of a toll that kind of takes on the family. And from an early part, you kind of introduced to that where, and this is where I kind of felt like, and, and I know we said we're going to get to what we felt the flaws were in the movie, but this kind of seems like a good point for me to bring this up because this was my major fault with the movie. And this was the one thing I really had a problem with this with this movie was that I never knew when to laugh at Dory. You know, mm-hmm. there was that point when you watched that first movie, Dory's um, short-term memory loss was treated as, you know, a comedic tool where they would use it to bring some comedy into any given situation. And it worked and it worked great. And that was why Dory was one of the best characters in that movie. And there was like a moment, I want to say, at the very end of Finding Nemo where Marlon thinks Nemo's dead and goes to leave. And Dory, for the first time, kind of breaks down a little bit and says... You know, I remember things better with you, and you really kind of get to see the pain that she feels yes. from having this short-term memory loss. But that's the first time you're introduced to it, and it's, at the, it's a very brief moment. It happens at the very end of the film, and it's just as quickly as you're introduced to it. As soon as she runs into Nemo, you're right back into, okay, we're, we're getting back into the story. From a very early p- point on in this, that very same concept that was just comedic gold the last time around is kind of treated as just this really tragic, sorrowful uh, condition almost as if you were dealing with a child with some kind of a, a handicap, be it mental or, or physical or whatever it is. I mean, there was a an acceptance of Dory as, and that was really what you were her parents were teaching her is how to adapt to her forgetfulness. Is that mm-hmm. a good way of putting Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And there was definitely some uh, at least two or three times in this movie where I felt like, man, like she's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like he, like I was putting myself in her shoes like what if you actually suffered from that like can Absolutely. you imagine like what that would be like and 
it was very like serious in my mind. Like, man, like I thought she was literally losing her mind. Absolutely. Can, can you imagine living like that? It was like watching Memento. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, what it was? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're you know obviously not quite that dire. But the problem was is that then they would switch back and forth between the feel bad for her now laugh that she forgot this. Like there's a point in that movie where when you watch the first movie, she first bumps into Marlon. And she says, I have short-term memory loss. It runs in my family. At least I think it does. Where are they? And it's a funny line. And then she says the exact mm-hmm. same line in this movie, and she delivers it. It's very subtly different, and Ellen DeGeneres does a great job as a character, but it's very subtly. You can tell that where are they is now this longing of, mm-hmm. you know, of this deep hurt that has come from having lost her family. So uh, that was my biggest problem is that you were dealing automatically with a, a movie that was not going to be near as funny because they just took the funniest character out of play. Mm-hmm. And you, know, it would, you know what it's akin to? It's like it's akin to taking Goofy and saying, hey, you're sitting here and you're laughing at this wonderful Goofy movie. But then all of a sudden you learn later on that Goofy has a learning disability or Goofy has a mental handicap. And it's not that Goofy is really Goofy. It's just that he cannot cope or he's not physically capable of dealing with. Uh, his environment so now you feel bad at laughing at goofy yeah it's like well uh, you know what perfect example you remember animal from the muppet show yes one of my favorite characters he was all about sex and rock and roll and he would just go nuts and it's like finding out that animal just had add and he's really he's struggling with coping with this and how (laughs) horrible his life is And, and that's really what they did with dory they took this really funny character and kind of took her and said now that she's a focal point in this movie, she needs to be more three-dimensional. So let's take a look at what we can work with with Dory, and that's what they went to. And because of that, they took away a lot of the humor uh, that I felt the well, character brought to the movie. That, or you can say, you know, you, feel, you don't feel right laughing about it anymore. That's exactly it. I never you knew know. when I was supposed to laugh. Like, there was right. points there. And maybe, maybe that's the point. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was their motivation behind this or if that's what they meant to do. But I could certainly see where they would maybe that would be a statement on their part. But you know what? I don't think that's the point, because then a little later we're introduced to a whale. And I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, but we're introduced to a whale named uh, Destiny where <laughs> she's handicapped yeah. in a way where she ha- she's very nearsighted and they have no problem showing her time and time again ramming into walls. But yeah. it's never treated as Destiny is really hurt by the fact that she can't see. And that's what they flipped the script on here. So they had no problem resorting to that kind of humor. And they, they just said, okay, it won't be Dory this time. We'll, we'll use this character or that character. Um, right. But anyway, so that was really my main problem with the movie and why I feel like, you know, as much as I like the movie and I do feel it's a worthy sequel, I don't know that it's going to be the same kind of movie where I watch it so many times that I know the lines. <laughs> You know what right. I'm saying? Well, it's, it's, it's a little bit harder to watch. It is. It, it is. It's a lot harder to watch, and it's, there's a lot less levity. And um, so let's get into it. Okay, so I know, I'm sorry we got sidetracked with that, but I thought it was a good time to bring it up because you're introduced from that at, right from the get-go that this is a tragic element in her life and something that really – you see her. You see her wandering the ocean for years alone trying right. to find fish that will help her. Until you, they take you to present day and they take Dory straight from that little child who loses her parents to the moment where, boom, she runs smack dab into Marlin and their adventure begins. And then from there, that's where the movie kind of kicks off present day. 
And even then, when she's wandering around, there's still, I mean, of course, it's very sad to see her doing that. But more sad is that she's being ignored by other, all the other fish. They think she's a weirdo. Like, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's wrong with this girl? Why is she, you know, why is she acting like this? So that was, that was the part that even, you know, even that was like, oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, she wasn't getting a whole lot of help out there. That's for sure. Right. That's true. So, all right. So we're, we're back to present day now. And then... They're back at the reef, and you get to see mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Ray returns. We get to see mm-hmm, him again. Yes. Uh, Dory cool. becomes the teacher's assistant, which I thought was one of her, her best moments in the movie, where she was a teacher's assistant, and she's trying to teach the class, and there's that moment there where she gets sidetracked with her family, and, the, and she says, where was I? And the kids say, well, you were talking about moms and dads. And she says, ooh, wow, why me? Why <laughs> and, yes. It's like, okay. When two fish love each other, each other. <laughs> and then Mr. Ray is like, oh, okay, that's enough. So that, there were, don't get me wrong, there were some funny parts in there where no matter what, you were going to laugh. And, and Ellen DeGeneres did do a great job. And that was definitely my favorite. Yeah, that was one of the best uh, lines in the, in the movie for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what happens from there is that Dory gets run over by a bunch of manta rays, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're and, migrating. Yeah, they're migrating. And she has a flashback. And she remembers the Jewel of Morro Bay, California. Is that about right? Is that what yeah, they call it? Yeah, I'm sure it? that's not exactly right, but um, that sounds about right. Okay, we'll roll with that. And then I think what happens next is that Nemo reminds her of this, and she realizes that her family is in California, and it's across the ocean. And then they hop aboard Crush, another great uh, return character. Glad sure. to see him back. Which, of course... Uh, Marlon does not want to have any part of this. He's no. like, why do we have to go all the way across? We already went across the ocean once. That was once is enough. But uh, she finally talks him into it, and he feels well, guilty, I guess. He remembers that she helped him find his son, so he's kind of, you know, he'd be a hypocrite to not help her find her family. Yeah. And so they go off. They're riding Crush, and you see Squirt in there. And uh, that's Andrew Stanton. I don't know if you knew that or not, the director, the voice of uh, Crush. Okay. Crush returns, and he's with Squirt, and you get to see a little bit of the comedic interaction between him and Marlon. Marlon still has not gotten any better at riding shell. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do they call it? Feeding the fish? Feeding the fish, and Marlon <laughs> fed the fish. <laughs> so they arrive in California, and uh, they have their first and, and only interaction with like a bad sea creature, I would say. Yeah. I'd, okay, so... You tell me, but that almost was very forced. It was. It's like, okay, we need to have a bad fish in here somewhere. It's just a repeat of the shark scene where the shark goes crazy and chases them. It just, this time it's a squid. No, it's not a repeat of the shark. The shark scene was very well done. Very funny. That was one of my favorite scenes in Finding Nemo. That, yeah, I understand. It was like. Once he goes crazy. Yeah. You're you're giving this little action beat. So that way you get to see uh, them running along. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It was completely unnecessary. It wasn't funny. It it really didn't, you know, it wasn't a scene that really resonated at all. Even and the it, way they got away from the squid wasn't even all that great. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't even that great of an ending. It was just yeah. like, oh, hey, we made it. Exactly. So he chases them. They get away. Uh, there was really nothing to that. That's really the depth of what you explore in the ocean. Once that happens, they're right there in California at the Marine Institute and Again, now this is, to me, another funny moment in this movie and the best cameo by an actor or actress in a role that you never see their face. 
you hear the voice of Sigourney Weaver calling yes. to Dory from underneath <laughs> the sea. Oh, hey, Sigourney, what's up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is she? I forget what she said, but basically she's interacting with Sigourney the whole time. Exactly. So, so she's like, welcome to uh, Marobay or welcome to Marine. Whatever she's saying, Dory thinks they're having a conversation. She goes up. She gets scooped up uh, by a um, one of the Marine Institute scientists or um, rescue people, rescue people, whatever. Yeah. And they go ahead and take her into the Marine Institute. And now Marlon and Nemo have to get in there to rescue Dory. And that's really where this movie starts. Yeah, it was it was really just about 30 minutes or so to get to here. Mm-hmm. And then once we're here, here's where we're going to stay for the rest of the movie. Right. And so from there, you kind of get much like the original Finding Nemo, where they kind of split stories. One, what was going on with Nemo and the tank gang, and two, what was going on with Dory and Marlin traveling through the ocean. Now you have Marlin and Nemo outside trying to rescue Dory out of the Marine Institute, and you have Dory on the inside trying to find her parents. And this is where she meets Hank. And we were talking about Hank a little bit earlier in the show, and uh, to me, I just found him to be the best character that they introduced in the entire movie. I thought he really helped yeah, definitely Hank steals the show, for sure. Hank is the new Dory. But, you know, even more than he's heart, he's... Or I guess he's more... Who is the, who's the, uh, the fish in the tank with... Uh, Gil. Yeah, so he's that's the new ex- Gil. I was going to say that's exactly where I was going to go with that comparison. He's Gil. I think the other two, Bailey and uh, Destiny, the two whales that she meets... Uh, or that she already knew Destiny. Apparently, they were pipe yeah. pals, which pipe really house. they kind of put a hole in the whole idea of speaking whale. Like, whales just speak normal in this movie. I didn't even, like, when she spoke whale, she didn't need to because she understood her just fine speaking normally. So uh, she carried on conversations with two whales without ever having to speak whale. I thought that was a little interesting. Mm hmm. So because Hank wants her tag and Dory wants to find her parents, they make a deal to help each other out. They bond and they go on a series of adventures together trying to find what both of them are looking for. Meanwhile, you've got Nemo and Marlin outside and they're interacting with these two sea lions on a rock that uh, there's also a third sea lion out there, Gerald. I don't don't remember the other two's name. I'm sure they said their name in the movie, the other two sea lions. Yeah, well, one of them is the... One of them is the guy that plays in Jungle Book as the uh, as Shere Khan. Yeah, who's in a lot of Disney movies right now for some reason. He mm-hmm. must have made a multi-picture deal. Which he's a great actor. He was in The Wire and a couple of other things. But well, his cohort you, you was de- in The Wire as well. Yeah, and he was in Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely will recognize his voice uh, when you hear it. I, and I can't ever say his name. It's Idris Elba it, or something like that. There you go. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the right way to say it. So he's the he's the main seal. So they're they're very funny. They're they're very yeah. funny. Mainly their yeah, for, interaction with Gerald. Uh, yeah, for some reason they don't like Gerald. I can't figure out why. Who is another character that you can make the argument that there is something mentally wrong with Gerald? Definitely something is off with Gerald. He's not quite all there. But they don't have a problem playing Gerald for comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, Dominic West. Dominic West was the other guy from The Wire that you were talking about. That was the other sea lion. Oh, he was? Yes. That was, oh, was Dominic out. West and Idris Elba, if I'm saying his name correct, and if I'm not, forgive me. That Those are two guys that played the sea lions. I'm not sure who played Gerald. Gerald didn't speak, as far as I know, did he? Yeah, he was, uh, he was the Groot character. <laughs> but uh, they introduce uh, Nemo and Marlin to Becky, which is another mentally challenged character 
who doesn't really speak or do anything. Uh, she comes along. They bond. They imprint upon Becky, and Becky is the one to take him into the Marine Institute, which to me leads to the funniest moment in this movie, which is through a series of happenstance, they separate from Becky, and they end up in this tank, and they run into a clam, a very chatty <laughs> clam. Who, a very lonely clam. Uh, oh, my God. He was a funny... That, I never laughed as hard in that movie as I laughed on that scene. That was the funniest thing in the movie to me. <laughs> he dated a scallop and a scallop. <laughs> <laughs> the scallop had eyes and could see into his soul, and she heard him, and... I think it ends with him screaming, why, Shelly, why? <laughs> and her name was Shelly, yes. which is great. That's classic. Oh, of course. That was the funniest part of the movie. I love that. I mean, I what, else, was... what else would a female clan be named yeah. other than Shelly? But anyway, so they reunite and uh, they get out of there. They get aboard a truck. They're heading out. I mean, my, my, I know I'm fast forwarding through. Uh, you know yeah, what? I mean, Dory spends a lot of time trying to figure out what because, of course, she can't remember. Mm-hmm. So it's all these things she's piecing together these memories and then she remembers this and she remembers that mm-hmm. well at one point she's supposed to be following the signs to go to uh to the uh, open ocean uh exhibit and the, and, the, and he's under the, this was ingenious how they were doing it where he was under the stroller and she was in the sippy cup i don't know why that made me laugh to see her in the sippy cup but i thought that was great that she was in a sippy cup i don't know why i just thought it was hilarious that she was inside a sippy cup and at one point he puts her in a and he was drinking coffee and so he puts her in the coffee cup uh the coffee uh what's it called the coffee pot coffee pot yeah he puts her in the coffee pot to transport her at one mm-hmm. point and and all that so there was a lot of that going on where you know he's he's pushing the stroller by being another underneath it and rolling the wheels and she's of course supposed to be navigating which she's going to be the worst navigator in the world because she gets distracted so easy yeah i love how like these fish, as long as fishes are in water, they're fine. That that's a like whether they're in salt water, fresh water, dirty mop bucket water. Water is yeah. water. <laughs> water is water. Water is all, water. Fish can all survive. All water leads to the ocean. Yes. All, is it, all water leads to the ocean. All water can sustain fish life, apparently. Yeah. Which and, I know not to be true from any time that we've ever transferred fish from aquarium to aquarium. That just does <laughs> not happen. So anyway, um. So, yes. Okay. So they reunite. Dory gets sent down the pipes. She finally reconnects with her mom and dad by following a a series of seashells, which you're introduced to this concept early on that they laid they laid out seashells so Dory could find her way home. She meets up with her parents. They now are on full blown rescue mission to get Marlon and Dory, who got loaded aboard a truck to Cleveland. Now, before you go there, Nemo, I'm sorry, Marlon Nemo. Yeah. But before you go there, let's back up a little bit. There's a scene, as Danny alluded to, where uh, they're teaching her to follow the shells. That's how she finds her way home. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in case she gets lost, she follows the shells and she finds her way home. Okay. Well, they pan out when she finds her mom, and there's 20 or 30 trails going to this. So the parents have basically been waiting all this time, just laying down trails and laying down trails and laying down trails and laying down trails, just in case she ever comes back. And I'll tell you, you know, that was the point where everybody in the in the theater just lost it. I mean, that was, you know, chopping onion time right there. When they, <laughs> I mean, my my kids were bawling <laughs> when on that scene. My youngest one was crying. He did. You got to understand, like my youngest son is. He doesn't quite understand, you know, sometimes like the correct emotions and things like that. So he's trying to smile. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to cry, but you look at him, and that makes him cry more. Because you're looking at him. So anyway, but that I mean that was the 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 emotional 
uh, climax of the movie is when, of course, when she finds her parents, but then you see the shells and the trails they left for her. So there, once they're there, and now, of course, mom and dad don't want to see her go, but she has to go rescue Nemo and Marlin because they're family. Yes. And, and that's where the fun begins. <laughs> Which leads to like what I think is the second funniest scene in the movie. Um, Dory and um, Hank hijack a truck. Basically, yeah. they're, they're in the back of the truck. And so they boot out the drivers. And Hank's driving. Dory's navigating. And they find themselves uh, heading towards a police barricade. So they veer left off the road and... Off a cliff, straight into the ocean, and all the. And what fish- song was they playing? Uh, the I see seas agree. A wonderful world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And there's just <laughs> the slow you motion. Like, yeah, you just see like like hundreds of fish just flying through the air in slow motion, <laughs> and and Hank is all twisted up with his arms. Mm-hmm. And then the best part was there's this little fish flying through the air. Who gets eaten by a bigger fish flying through the air? Who gets eaten by a bigger fish flying through the air? <laughs> it was great, man. Until they vomit him up. <laughs> yeah, until he throws up and spits them all out. Yes. Um, <laughs> they end up in the water. All the fish um, go off, and they live in the in the reef together. And at the very end, um, Dory is playing hide-and-seek. Only this time, hide-and-seek ends well for Dory because she manages to work her way through it and remember what she's doing. And finds people. So, uh, yeah. And they go off to the reef and they look at the reef. And they, I think Marlon finally says, look at it. It really is some view. And she says, unforgettable. And credits. Yeah. Up until the end of the credits where you finally get to see a, a cameo that I was waiting for the entire time. I just figured it would happen at some point. We're in the water and these little bags roll by. I, I figured. And they're all see. molded. That was great. They're all moldy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tank gang makes a reappearance at the very end. Yes, exactly. If you remember from the first one, they they rolled out and they plopped into the water in their bags and they're like, now what? Yes. And so that's what they've been up to apparently for the last couple of years. They've been floating around their little baggies. Uh, And then then they get rescued by the Marine Institute. (laughs) Exactly. So it all came full circle. Exactly. Uh, That was funny. So that's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. Cliff Notes version of the movie. Um, thoughts. All right, Lee, um, what do you think? Well, again, on a whole, um, I'll give this one four tacos. Four tacos. <laughs> <laughs> four out of five tacos. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we said it already. It's not going to be, I think, as well um, regarded in the mm-hmm. long run as Finding Nemo, but it's still a great movie. Uh, you're definitely going to want to go see it with your kids. You're definitely going to want to see it in the theaters. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a good movie experience for you and your family to see. Uh, you're going to get a little, la- little laughter, not as much as I would have liked to see, but mm-hmm. a little laughter here and there. And uh, you're definitely going to get, you know, the heart uh, tugging at the heartstrings, and you're going to get a couple, you know, scenes where you know people are chopping onions in the theater. But uh, overall, definitely, I mean, go see it, enjoy it. It's a good movie. You'll you'll like it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have like a rating system like you and Eli. I'm not into tacos or, uh, Coke so much that I would make a, uh, a, maybe sake. Maybe, (laughs) maybe I have four. Is it cold sake? Is it warm sake? Ooh, ooh, that that, it's lukewarm sake. How about that? There you go. There you go. Going by the old star system. I'd probably do maybe three to three and a half stars on this. Yeah. Out of, out of a possible five. I enjoyed it. 
like again, one if you're dealing with a child who's who's special needs, mm-hmm. I think this has a gr- this is a good thing for all children to see to to kind of enlighten them on th- just because you think this is funny to you doesn't doesn't mean that this person isn't going through hell. Yeah, and and, and I, I enjoyed. I, I don't know that necessarily enjoyed the other. Like there seemed to be two messages to the movie. One was that, and the second message seemed to be like. Well, just wing it because that's much funner. Safe is boring. Just wing it. That's right. So, uh, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Exactly. Um, So, as a parent of a six-year-old, I I wasn't necessarily uh, fond of that message. Um, I do think this movie was more moving than comical. I I don't know that they they maintained the balance as much as I would have liked between comedy and um, emotion. I don't know that the secondary characters. Had as much of an imp. I liked Hank, but I don't know. I, you know, I missed the sharks. I, I did. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I thought the sharks. Was, you met them, and they were on screen for a couple seconds, and you liked them immediately. I never really grew to care about Destiny or Bailey, um, the two whales uh, that you get mm-hmm. to meet. Hank was just about the only one, and that clam. That clam really did it for me. I did like that clam. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. the adventure that they go on, it's its nowhere near as funny or adventurous or thrilling or whatever you want to call it as Finding Nemo, that's for sure. Um, and I have high expectations for Pixar. That's the other thing. You know, I, I do. Yeah. I, I still, to this day, I, I look at Pixar, even though Disney uh, animation has done some great movies. And I think an argument can be made that they've surpassed Pixar in their last couple of efforts. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I do have high expectations. I think Pixar is the gold standard. So I, I'm going to hold them to that higher standard. So that's why I'm going to say maybe three, maybe up to three and a half on the second viewing of it, possibly, where mm-hmm. I, I, now I know what the story is. Now I know to look for a little bit more of the hidden stuff in there. Yeah. And, you know, there is, as a, a dad who, with a son who does have special needs, there's definitely, you know, a lot of points that hit home here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the one scene where Dory remembers seeing her mom and dad when they don't know she's around. And they're, you know, concerned about her and how she's going to grow up and she's going to be able to make it on her own and things like that. So that really hit home for me personally, uh, things like that. Now, again, as you said, I wish it would have been balanced out with a little more humor. Uh, The humorous points in this movie, while there was one or two really, really funny points, there wasn't a lot in between there. Right. Um, So, but uh, again, you know, I mean, I think overall, no one's going to be disappointed in, in going to the theater and seeing this movie. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think no matter what, you're going to walk away. I, again, I think it's debatable as to whether or not you'd feel the same if there wasn't a Finding Nemo. I think if Finding Dory came out by itself and you didn't already go into it caring about these characters. I, because, like, you know, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Marlin. I thought the Marlin-Dory well, combo made a great team. And they substituted Marlin now for Hank, who's kind of a similar character, gruff in certain ways, maybe not mm-hmm. as uh, insecure. Although you do get to see it when he's in that touch pool that he becomes very insecure and you, you do see that he's a, a softy underneath it all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do wish we would have gotten to see a little bit more Marlon in this. You know, Marlon was a great character in the first one, his insecurities and everything like that. And I do, you do get to see some of that, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like he got the screen time that he, not even close to the screen time that he got in the last one. Yeah, absolutely. And Nemo, <laughs> man, Nemo uh, really know how to play uh, old pops. Yeah, in this he, one, know, didn't he? he knew how to he knew how to play that guilt card big time, man. Boy, he, he would was... twist a knife whenever he <laughs> got a chance. <laughs> um, but anyway, guys, yeah, I, I'd recommend seeing it if you're a Disney fan, if you're uh, a Finding Nemo fan. I think 
whatever you do, it, I know it's impossible, but try not to compare it to Finding Nemo if you can. Uh, and if you're able to go ahead and do that and put it out of your mind, I think you're going to enjoy the movie a whole lot more. If you walk into it, like, thrill me, um, I think you're going to feel a little underwhelmed. Oh, w- one last quick question, okay? Because John Ratzenberg, of course, yes, makes I'll- an appearance in every film. And I was sitting there listening for it. And, you know, before he kind of voiced the, the, the group of the school of fish that would make uh, do the impressions. Yeah. Which, again, just kind of goes and shows that the adventure and the journey that they went on was just so magnificent. The anglerfish, the, the fish yeah. that did the impressions, the shark, everything. This, again, I just can't emphasize enough. The adventure of this is there is no adventure. Right. It, it's an adventure. Yes. But it's more of a series of events. I, I wouldn't call it like a, a journey. Uh, by any stretch uh, but did you know who John Ratzenberger was because I had a suspicion who I did it was. not know I, I had to look it up okay and I still even to I still at first was like no what do you mean so I don't know are we gonna say it yeah why not say it I mean we've already spoiled we've everything already spoiled else everything. about the movie uh, I thought it when I heard it and when I didn't hear anything to contradict it I'm like okay well I'm gonna go with that and and bank on that you know that that's what it was I don't think they would have gotten rid of John Ratzenberger. And sure enough, I was right. He was one of the hermit crabs that Dory runs into. Um, he was clipping the lawn. Yes. Well, the ones okay. that, yeah, that tell her about going into the pipes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't catch it at all. And then I looked it up and they said so-and-so crab. And still, I didn't put two and two together. I was thinking of the little crabs at the beginning. They were telling her. Shh. Yeah. Those. Yeah. No. And I was yeah. like, well, no, that's not it because you can't tell anything by that. And then it took me a few seconds like, oh, they were Kermit crabs and the ones that were cutting the lawn. So, yes, then I got it. But, right. but yeah, it, was, it wasn't they were the ones who told to me. Her, right. Those are the ones who told that the Blue Tangs were in uh, quarantine, which uh, that was another little part of the plot that I kind of felt that was a bit wonky. They, they work to get out of quarantine. They're in quarantine for a nice little long time there. They get out of quarantine. And, and there's a point in there while they're in quarantine where Dory's asked them, do you know where uh, my family would be? You would think Hank, looking over the entire view, would say, well, that tank right over there with all the bluefish in it, and I'm going to guess that's where you need to go. But they go on this whole adventure only to be told, yeah, you need to go back to quarantine. And there was two, those were the hermit crabs that told them they had to go back. And then they didn't even need to be there anyway because their parents weren't there. Exactly. But then there wouldn't have been a movie. It wouldn't have been a movie. And, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I think they added on that little end scene. That it was just they were trying to stretch it out. This, this movie kind of reeked of, Okay, we got to do a sequel to Finding Nemo. We got to do right. it. The characters well, are too I mean, good. And I well, don't think they really had an idea of like, you know what? This is an idea so good. We got to bring these characters back. It yeah. was more of a sense of let's do Finding Nemo 2 or Finding Dory or whatever it was. Sure. I mean, we probably would have liked to see more of them getting to the Institute. Yes. But then that would have been the same thing as Finding Nemo. You know, we've already seen an adventure in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that's really kind of what it needed. It needed more time in the ocean getting up to the Institute. Uh, they could have been, you know, trying to get to the ocean the, the whole time that uh, Dory was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, and then even as much as it was cool to see um, Crush and those guys, it was almost like, well, we're making a Nemo movie. We have to have Crush, you know, because we're going to need some Crush plush. And we might even mm-hmm. be able to, hey, you never know. We might be able to update, uh, you know, the attraction at Epcot if, we, if this goes good. Already done. <laughs> check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, we got crush. Check. We got this. Check. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. This always reminds me of something because I, I was mentioned animal earlier, uh, the Muppet animal, 
And it always reminds me of something that I picked up on one time when I watched, um, I was watching uh, this, this uh, talk or, or a presentation that Frank Oz and Jim Henson was doing. I may have even brought this up on the podcast before, uh, but they were doing this presentation to this group of college kids about, you know, puppetry. And mm-hmm. in the course of doing this, they would pull out various Muppets. Jim would work Kermit or Rolf and, and um, Frank would take out Miss Piggy or uh, Fozzie. And ultimately he took out Animal and he does Animal and he did him for about two or three lines. And he's like, OK, that's enough Animal. And he puts him down. He's like, Animal's very monosyllabic. He works in short doses. And that, I kind of had that same sense after watching this. It's kind of like Dory. It's like when you take a character and you... You, you take this character who works well as the comedic relief and you try to make them the sympathetic figure to, to run the story, I think you're going to lose something there because Dory was mm. such comedic gold. To, to go ahead and say, we're going to basically neutralize that to a large degree by taking away some of the comedic emphasis because we're going to make her condition more of a burden than a, a comedic tool. I think that's where you ran into problems with this movie. And I, unfortunately, I don't think it ever really overcame it to become a great movie. It's a worthy sequel, but it could have been so much better. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of, and I think we've talked about this before in the show, you know, I remember being a kid watching sitcoms, but, you know, there would always be that one crazy character that would be the breakout character and everyone would be like, oh, everyone likes him. Let's give him his own spinoff. And that show would always fail mm-hmm. because that yeah. character worked, but he only worked in short doses when he was that limited thing. Once you started to have to make him more than that, then you lost what made him so great or her. Yeah. In this case, definitely her. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts on this. I don't know. Anything Anything you got to say in closing, Lee? No, uh, I think that was uh, a good assessment of the movie. I would ask, uh, again, that you guys see it yourself, see what you think, and uh, let us know. Because I think, uh, again, it's worthy of seeing as, uh, in the theaters, and I think it will be enjoyable. I uh, just be curious to see what everyone else thought. I, I, I would be, too. And, I, and look, I, I, again, I, I think everyone's going to walk away liking it. Like I said, just... Hank the octopus, no, not the octopus, the septopus. That was another great line. That Hank's not really an octopus. He only has seven tentacles. I never stopped to count them, but she makes it a point to refer to him over and over again as a septopus. I think uh, Ed O'Neill did a great job. I think I, I'd be surprised if those two weren't in the room when they were recording together because the chemistry was so good. But mm-hmm. if they weren't, that just goes to show how how good those two actors are. But yes, obviously, see it for yourself. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know uh, what you think could have been done better, what you think they nailed, what you think they got wrong, anything you got to say about it, and we will read it on the air. Uh, actually, wait, hold up real quick before we move on. We already got a review. Can you, you care to read uh, Mr. Mononymous's review? Yeah, absolutely. Let, sure. me, let me find it real quick. The biggest difference, uh, without spoilers, is that in the first movie, you had two stories. Nemo's Tank Adventure... And the Marlin and Dory's aquatic trip. And that gave you a broad tale with lots of different locales to explore. There is some of that, but in Finding Dory, the story is much more character-driven. Which is good, but left me feeling like it wasn't quite as grand. Um, and you know, if you think about that, and I just this popped into my head right now. When you talk about Finding Nemo, you're exploring the entire ocean. So the, the possibilities are limitless. Mm-hmm. This all takes place in a theme park. It does. Basically, it takes place at SeaWorld is what it really comes down to. Yeah. So you can only have four or five tanks 
to have adventures in. Whereas, uh, again, you have the entire ocean. So the scope, as Richard said, is much bigger for Finding Nemo. It's funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, th- there was a part in there, again, another funny line by Dory, which is when she's looking at the map of the theme park, it's like, how could you possibly see this all in one day? Which <laughs> I kind of took as a shout out to Disney, but who knows? Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Mononymous. Great insight as always. Um, so next time you hear us, guys, it will be a uh, second show. Kevin will be on it. We'll be covering the tragedy in Orlando, and it might be a bit bit of a different mood, a little bit more somber um, than, than what we've done on this show before, but definitely analytical. We will be going through that. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a show coming up for you later on in the week. Feel free to check that out, especially if you haven't seen Finding Dory yet, and you're like, ooh, I can't click on that Magic Our Way show yet. Listen to the next one. Come back to this one. It, it works just the same. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, oh, wait, I guess we should pimp some stuff, right? Yeah, why not? Okay, since we didn't really do segments on this show, I'm saying goodbye, and we haven't even said uh, what we do here. All right, you can find Eli at avrycomics.com, where Project Geisha is available for sale. That's right, folks. The website you didn't think would ever be running is running, and it's taking orders. So if you're one of those people who said, no, I've been tricked too many times into going to ivorycomics.com and it doesn't work, I guarantee you it works now. Uh, so go there, check out his artwork, let him know what you think, order a book, and go ahead and support Eli. As for Lee, I'll let you do this talking for yourself. Yes, uh, so go ahead, Moeekins. Uh It is that time of year. If you are looking for a fall vacation, maybe Christmas time, uh, maybe January, it will be time to book now to get your 180s. Uh, also, by the time you hear this, your 2017 packages will be open up as well. Those are going to be opening up on the 21st. So anytime in 2017 that you want to book, you can go ahead and take care of that as well. So uh, reach me out to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash travel, L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. Uh, email me at lee at magicrway.com. And you can call me on the new number, 413 413- this trip that's 413 d-i-z-t-r-i-p and let me ask you this you're talking about this is the time the book i mean and and maybe this is something that we might get into in the next episode that we're going to record in a couple days from now but i mean do you really think now is the time to uh go ahead and book do you think maybe that the uh incidents that have occurred in orlando over the last couple of weeks do you think disney might be you think Disney might be giving people an incentive to book a little bit later on? Or you, or you, you think we're going to be what we what we've got now is the best it's going to get if you're going to go within 2016? Well, uh, either way, no matter what you do, if something better comes along, your travel agent will definitely go in there and, and rebook it for you to get you the better deal. Uh, that being said, I personally, and I'm not, and I'm just going to say this because I'm not going to may or may not be on the next show. I personally don't foresee um anything happening right now i think that disney is going to react uh appropriately uh put in some extra safety measures we're already starting to see uh some fences go up at grand floridian around the waterways things Mm -hmm. like that and um i think i don't i have not heard a lot of bashing of disney on this particular situation in almost every chat or you know whatever board i'm seeing it's overwhelmingly uh, a lot of people talking about you know how tragic it was, but that uh, you know there's not a lot that Disney could have done in this situation. So oh, again, oh, <laughs> I, we'll get into that oh, a, a lot. 
Tune in. <laughs> Tune, Tune in. in to the next show because I've got a lot to say about as somebody that was on that very beach a week before that attack. I've got a lot to say about that. Good. Well, so we'll see what happens. But uh, to answer your question, if uh, if something does happen down the line and you know, you've got a vacation booked and your travel agent should be able to get you rebooked uh, with the uh, better discount or offer that com- may come out. Well, any good travel agent at least, right, Lee? Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lee. And uh, guys, if you're looking to go ahead and get in touch with us here over at the Magic Our Way podcast, there are several different ways you have to choose from, whatever your preference is, whatever you so desire. If you're a fan of email, show at magicourway.com. Go ahead and email us there. I guarantee you we read everything, and we will read it on the air if you take the time to go ahead and do it. We, we may not get to it right away. We may not get to it by the next show. Sometimes we record shows, and it don't come out till weeks from now. That Matt Hatch- Hotchberg episode, that part two, that's a show so nice, it had to be edited twice. That's right. The original show was supposed to air before I went to Disney World, and then, for whatever reason, the track with Matt on it just mysteriously disappeared. So when I got back from Disney, I had to re-edit it. So there was a lot of people on there, a lot of Mawekins that wrote in that we thanked that didn't get to hear it uh, until, what, now, what, a month after that show was due to air? Yeah, just about. Yes. So there's a lot of different ways to go ahead and get in touch with us is what I'm trying to say here. And if you don't hear us mention your email, mention your message, stay tuned. We heard it. It will come up. So show at magicourway.com. That's the email address. We have a website as well, magicourway.com, where you can go ahead and click on a little widget there that helps us send a voicemail via uh, SpeakPipe to us. And we will play your voice on the air. You can go ahead and hear yourself on the radio or the iPod. iPod or whatever you're listening to us on. It, it's brilliant. So go ahead and do that. Or if you don't want to necessarily hear your voice, you just want to go ahead and do a quick little text message while you're at work. one eight one five mo weekend. That is one eight one five mo weekend. That's right, guys. So go ahead and avail yourself of any of those methods. Also, if you go on our website, guys, there's a uh, a button. It's a great button that you can go to where you can go ahead and buy us some beignets. That's right. We have made it to where you can buy us beignets. It's only $2.14 for an order. And all that money goes into helping us with advertising, for hosting. It helps us pay so we can go ahead and watch movies like Finding Dory. It helps me pay for co-hosts to go see movies like Finding Dory that don't show up to do the review because LeBron was competing in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> and click on that, and you can leave us a donation, and that just goes to help us with the show. If anything, it helps us get some sake before the show, which really helps us do better work for you. That's what we call a win-win. Exactly. Guys, also, Mad Hatter Radio. If you go to our website and you will find a little button where you can click on and you can listen to Mad Hatter Radio and they have wonderful Disney tracks, audio from the park, uh, cover versions of popular Disney songs on there that you can just get your Disney fix in while you're at work or while you're feeling a little bit down on the drive home or while you're anticipating that big trip, you can listen to Mad Hatter Radio and it takes you there, folks. And uh, coming up soon, you'll be hearing us on their show, I think. Uh, I know Kevin's working on Best Of. I know we got an email asking us to include a certain show in there, and I think Kevin is working on that last I heard. So hopefully when we're ready to go, that'll be one of the first ones you do hear. 
Uh, also, you can connect with us on Facebook, connect with us on Twitter, whichever method works for you. It works for us. Kevin pays attention to all the different platforms and your voice, I promise you, will be heard and read on a future episode. So with that being said, thank you. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to this show. My name is Danny. I'm Lee. Magic out. Hey guys. Hey, you hear that? Yeah. Yes. You know what that is? Tony Bennett? It is Tony Bennett. Oh man, Italians recognizing Italian. You know what song he likes that? What song is he singing? Well, the song that Lee couldn't sing when he was trying to do it for the Navigator. Oh, wow. Hey, but do you, do you know what I'm listening it on? This is Mad Hatter Radio, which is a ra- online radio station of Disney fan stuff that we have partnered up with, man. How do you like that? Partners here on the Gulf Coast, Magic Our Way and Mad Hatter Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, creative buffs on radio stuff. That's like right. It. Yeah, it's good. It's another outlet. Uh-huh. You know, it, 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 what's good about it, yeah, let me tell you what's good about it. You hear Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. You could probably hear Bare Necessities done by like a, a metal group, a heavy metal group. You could mm-hmm. probably hear a country version of this. Oh, wow. You could probably hear like a funk version, James Brown type of, ah, <laughs> give me a Bare Necessities. <laughs> oh, ah, get on, get up again. Oh, yeah. You know? Hot tub, what you say now? <laughs> Disney. That's right. You can hear that all on the station, man. It's, <laughs> they don't just give you the normal spiels and, and, and r- attraction sounds, but they give you every creative variation that other artists have taken to the standard Disney songs. Like Tony Bennett right here. This yeah. little jazzy version of the Bare Necessities. You know? I'm thinking about Goodfellas right now. I don't know why. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Listen to this station, okay? It's good for you. It's good for me. It's going to go ahead. It's going to help you out. It's going to make me out. It's going to be really good. Okay? Man had a radio. Bada bing, bada boom. Just do it, huh? <laughs> <laughs>